Welcome back to the Describe Your World podcast. This is episode eight, and I am Travis, and today I'm with my guest, Tyler. How's it going, man? I'm doing all right. What about yourself? Not bad. I'm excited for this episode, excited to learn about you and your story and everything that makes you unique. Um, just to go over a couple things on the administrative side, if you're listening on audio format on Spotify, Amazon, Google, Apple, or if you're watching on YouTube, do appreciate a subscription on YouTube or a follow on any of those formats. It really does help a lot. Also, if you're on Apple or any platform where you can download the podcast, that's also really helpful. Any kind of reviews or comments are also appreciated. So we'll just go right into um, what we normally go into on the podcast, which is talking about early life. So I'll let Tyler kind of take over and um, introduce himself however he'd like, and then we'll talk a little bit about kind of where you come from and what makes you who you are. Uh, yeah, so like Travis said, um, my name's Tyler, and I've been working with Travis for um, close to a year now, which is kind of crazy. And uh, yeah, ta- um, I guess I'll just get right into like the early life. I was born in uh, in Rock Hill, South Carolina, and that's where I um, still am. And but I work out of uh, you know the Charlotte location, um, or Char- uh, I work out of Charlotte offices and whatnot. Um, yeah, in terms of early life, I mean, there isn't much to say very, uh, uh, very lucky, I guess, to go to the, you know, the schools that I did, the school districts that I, um, that I attended. So yeah, I'm pretty thankful in that regard. Cool. Um, so you said Rock Hill, South Carolina. So what's, what's it like being a little kid in Rock Hill? Are you, are you doing a lot of activities? Was it more of like a like a routine? Um, yeah, that's a good question. So, uh, as a kid, um, there's Rock Hill. You know, is part of York County, so it was kind of an in between of like going out to the more country side of things, and then coming to Rock Hill, which is of course closer to the city. So, um, I did go to school in 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 like York, uh, school districts. So that was kind of, that was kind of unique, um, in a sense of, it was a crowd that was just not, uh, ideal per se. Um, it just big trucks jamming out stuff like that <laughs> is like kind of what, you know, York is known for, um, unfortunately, but yeah. Um, in terms of activities I did growing up, um, more on the later side of things, I started skating like in high school. So yeah, I used to go skate at, um, you know, anywhere I really could downtown areas and whatnot. Uh, everything I did as a kid, uh, in terms of activities weren't stuck with, (laughs) it was mostly, (laughs) it was mostly kids sports and whatnot. So, um, yeah, in that regard, there wasn't a whole lot of interesting things when I was uh, younger. Skating is interesting. I I tried um, skating for a short time and realized how uncoordinated I am. So that (laughs) was a very brief hobby. I had a skateboard, but when you live down a dirt road from the highway, you know, skating is fairly (laughs) limited. I mean, you're going to fall a lot and not have too many like sweet jumps. Yeah, definitely. If I um, live 30 minutes South, up here skateboarding would have probably been almost impossible um but given how rock hill is you know relatively populated relatively big city um there was a good amount of places to to go and do those things with friends so were you are you like super social did you have a lot of friends as a kid more of a loner what was your social life um like? definitely more of a loner uh the friends kind of you know they shift grade to grade up until like high school when you find that that initial set of friends, I guess. But, um, yeah, I mean, growing up, I didn't, I was always really nervous kids. So like I was never super outgoing, um, in that sense. But, you know, once I got to the latter half of middle school and got into high school, I met more people like me with very similar interests. And that's where you kind of find, because I feel like kindergarten through eighth grade, your friends are whoever's in the class, and that's it. At least it was for me. And um, mm-hmm. once I got into high school, it was kind of like it didn't matter what classes. My friends stayed consistent throughout. Okay. 
That makes yeah. a little bit more sense. So you had like a, a bigger environment in high school, lots more people to choose from. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so as a kid, I know as a kid, I was also a loner. I spent a lot of time either reading or playing video games or watching anime, TV shows, whatever I could do, like just in the comfort of my bedroom, just because I was not extremely active. We did some things in school, but I was only in school with other people until sixth grade. And then Mm -hmm. the school I was going to shut down. So I was homeschooled from that point. So it kind of shifted a lot as far as socially. Um, So what were some of those loner type things you were doing? What were you into? Um, Let's see. So I used to be like kind of in the beginning of high school. Um, I was kind of into the engineering side of things. I had, uh, you know, robots and stuff like that robot kits that i would build and um i wouldn't program them i would just download it from online but i would build them and yeah that was kind of uh something that just first popped into mind when you say loner because (laughs) it's robots but (laughs) uh yeah uh other than that once it got um to high school definitely i was really into you know gaming and that was that was consistent unfortunately uh i it was just nothing but gaming and you know i watched i watched my share of anime in high school and whatnot but uh, i really started broadening my my horizons once i kind of graduated um i realized that reading is actually nice it's not just something that's that's for school uh, <laughs> so, so i you know picked up more hobbies once i got out of out of school and um and yeah, that definitely brought in my horizons um, because prior it was probably just got home from school, game, go to sleep, wake up, <laughs> go to school, game. Do you have any siblings or are you only child? Um, all my siblings are half siblings. Okay. Um, and yeah, so I primarily lived with my my sister and it was just me and my sister. And while my um, other half siblings were at my father's house and my, it, it, it it was funny at times because it, she doesn't have the same interests, obviously. So there came a certain point where, you know, we didn't share any of the same interests. Um, and yeah, then going over to my dad's house or whatever, I have my little brother who's, uh, he just turned 13. So um, it's obviously easier to share interests with someone that's actually interested in them. Hmm. That's yeah. interesting. So with yeah. your sister, your how was the age difference there with your sister? Um, it was the same actually. So she's she's my half sister and she's also thirteen. And uh and yeah, once it got to a certain point, we just stopped relating to each other because mm-hmm. we were into different things. Yeah. Yeah, I have a half sister and we have like a sixteen, seventeen year age gap. So I've only seen my half sister like twice. So yeah. it's not only that we couldn't relate, it's that I don't really know her. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, it's it sounds challenging because, you know, it's your sibling, but at the same time, you know, I imagine they're still, you know, world apart. Like you you have your own your own world that you're kind of thriving in. Um, exactly. So even though you share the same space and the same environment, it doesn't really mean that you're similar people. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Are there... Uh, are there noticeable differences between like you and your parents or do you like favor more on one side than the other? Um, kind of, it's kind of neither. I mean, I don't mean to not in a crude way, not in a crude way, but like, uh, in terms of, uh, let's say my hobbies and relatability, um, they're kind of vastly different. And they don't really share any of the same interests. Uh, but yeah, in terms of favoring, uh, no, there's no one single one I prefer because, you know, each one has pros and cons. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely can say that in terms of relatability, uh, you know, you always have that cool uncle that's into the exact same video games that you are and exact same, like my uncle has played, been playing Pokemon since Pokemon Red and Blue. So yeah, we, like, uh, there's still, you know, relatives that share that interest. Hmm. 
with yeah, me. Yeah, I, I think, unfortunately, even though I have a family of like 100 people, I don't have anyone who shares the same interest. It's like um, I have... Yeah. I have like eight aunts and uncles and they all have their own offspring. So I have like a hundred cousins and my, all of my cousins are vastly different. They're all into mm -hmm. like sports and they're all into big social gatherings and spending time with each other and kind of staying in the same area. And I was the strange one that branched off and left and went two hours away. And yeah. I don't care that much about sports <laughs> or, or seeing them or hanging out with them, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely say as my brother, you know, got older, uh, he became less naive and, you know, he's, he's not going to act like he's interested anymore. Um, <laughs> and yeah, now he's, you know, he's really big into sports and plays sports in middle school, whereas I'm quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why don't we go into, so we're still kind of on the same vein of education, but I know one thing you mentioned talking about earlier was kind of going over your transition from high school into like college and then figuring out your path as far as career and developing mm -hmm. yourself and things like that. So interested in what you want to share regarding that stuff. Yeah. I mean, um, I definitely think, you know, coming from the standpoint of someone who's, you know, not in grade school, but it's coming to an end soon, you know, within the next few years, uh, you know, thinking about my future um, back then, it is so askewed than uh, compared to what I thought it was going to be, you know, mm. and uh, like there's just once once it gets to that last year, there's just tons of, you know, tough decisions. Like whenever I was in initially in high school, I had, you know, I had plans to join the military um, and yeah, I mean, I had enlisted. I had went to to boot camp. Um, okay. And yeah, and essentially, um, you know, due to COVID, it was right at the beginning of COVID. Uh, due to COVID, and due to you know, you know, uh, the side effects that it causes, uh, that was no longer a viable option for me anymore. Um, therefore, you know, I'm back home, and I'm thinking, well what's next like that that was my plan a you know and i feel like that's one of the most important things is like i was so set on that plan a and for you know plans to come out from under you like a rug and uh yeah so i come home and initially think well i don't want to be a joe schmo that you know just works at um you know any convenience store a retail store so I knew I wanted to, you know, still make something of myself. I wasn't going to let this, let this brief, this brief, um, kind of setback do anything to me. And yeah, so I started researching and researching into what would be, you know, good careers for me to join, um, or for me to pursue. And I had it eventually found that a cybersecurity program, um, was about to start at a college near me. Um, and you know, computers is always something I had thought about, uh, in high school taking, I took a few engineering courses. I was part of robotics. Um, and then I had taken a few computer courses. Uh, but then obviously I had set myself up for that plan a, so therefore I stopped pursuing it. Okay. And, and I don't, I don't kick myself in the butt for it, but I want to, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, so, you know, basing, basing how I, my experience in those classes and, uh, just looking at some of the material, it seemed like, you know, an interest for me, um, you know, opposed to retail and yeah, so I had started that program. I got a job to work while during the program, therefore I can save up money and, you know, not, not just do classes or, or whatnot. So I got out of that, that that six month, uh, bootcamp. And, you know, I thought that it was all going to go easy. Kind of now that I got out, I had scheduled, you know, I, they give you a security plus voucher essentially when you finish that program. And I had scheduled it. I had studied, you know, my ass off for the exam. Um, and then I had went and taken the exam in September and, not passed. 
and to see that like to see that to feel so defeated after everything that had happened in the past year and a half was just a really big setback mentally um to to essentially work all those six months and i knew it was worth it for for those that course and whatnot um but it still just sucked that I wasn't able to pass and get the certification at the time. Um, therefore, after that, I just started self-studying. Um, unfortunately, you know, I didn't, I didn't just go back the next week and do it. And, you know, I want to kick myself in the butt for that as well. <laughs> but I mean, at the same time, I what really was overloading myself with, with all this this stress and pressure towards the end of that course. Um, Cause I was balancing the coursework and studying for the security plus, and also maintaining the, the job at, um, at a retail store. So yeah, I mean, it was definitely a lot, but a few days later, you know, I got back to studying, studied some different material, took a break from, from security. Uh, not necessarily a long one, but just the material for that exam. Um, so yeah, then I just built up, built up skills, started applying to places and it took a while. I mean, it took a few months after my program to actually find a position. And, you know, that was pretty defeating as well to apply to these 100, you know, upwards of 100 uh, job openings and not really hear anything back. Like, I'd say this time, this time about a year ago, like I was ready to, to give up looking for jobs in IT because I was like telling myself, I was just like, dude, I'm too young. I don't know <laughs> what it is. Like they're not taking me. Um, but, you know, luckily I found a job at the company I currently work for. Are we allowed to say, are we allowed to say Sure, like we that. will. I mean, if we get to a point with the podcast, so for future listeners, if we get to a point where there's like a hundred thousand subscribers, we'll stop doing things like this. But for the time being, I think it's relatively safe to say that we work for a right of way and utility company, uh, mm -hmm. national company, lots of locations. Um, but interestingly enough, the thing that most of our workers and users do is not what we do. We work in the IT department, so we're really just supporting just a lot of people who are doing those right-of-way and utility-related tasks and jobs. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's cool. Like, you can you can say whatever you like. I would just be super discreet about, like, social security number and personal address. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll try to be discreet. <laughs> yeah. Unless you feel extremely, uh, extremely connected to all the, the internet <laughs> out there and you want everyone to know, then say whatever yeah. you want. <laughs> We're all good friends. We're all good friends. <laughs> But uh, just just to kind of speak on IT a little bit, because I went through a very similar situation. It's funny because with IT, you feel like IT is such a big world and a big environment that applying for IT positions, since there are so many out there, that applying for an IT position is going to be sort of an easy thing to, you know, achieve. Um, you feel like you're going to get a lot of callbacks, lots of interviews, and you're going to get plugged in relatively quickly because there are so many job listings. And that's really not the case because IT is a super technical skill-based uh, field and all the jobs are extremely individualized in particular. So when a company's looking for an IT position, they're really looking for just the perfect candidate that aligns with their values, the requirements they have for the role, someone more specifically with experience. So in our case, it was challenging because just like you, when I started, I didn't have very much experience. Therefore, my resume probably got tossed a lot. Um, and but there are positions out there that are really more based on, you know, like startup or entry type positions where the, the hiring manager or the supervisor wants somebody that can teach. And that's kind of what happened with us, I feel, is that our boss really wanted someone who's teachable so that they can mold mm -hmm. and shape us into the type of workers that they want. And I think that's kind of how we ended up in the same space. Yeah, definitely. And like, I can't even express like still to this day, the gratitude I have for like finally being given a chance and, you know, finally being able to prove that I can you know, carry the weight of this position just as well as um, not any other IT professional, but, you know, <laughs> the same as anybody else in this position. 
I think you're doing super well. I think you can outperform me with help desk. I, I I'm I can do help desk and I was fine at help desk, but just just constantly being on the phone with people and like constantly uh not only technical problem solving, but managing people's emotions is really exhausting. Like that part of it like really burns me out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's certain points where like they're starting to freak out over something and I just want to like cut them off and be like, stop. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. I promise you. Um, but you know, it typically doesn't go that way. I have to be very courteous and be like, you know, come from an understanding uh, mm-hmm. point of view. So talk about security a little bit. Cause this is something that's a little, I mean, I have a security plus certification, but I, I know very little about the, that sphere when it comes to IT, that world of security. So what is it that intrigued you to cybersecurity and, and what are some of the, the features of that sphere that you like the most? Um, I definitely say just the versatility of what's capable. Like there's IT, uh, which has, you know, a plethora of jobs um, and, you know, cybersecurity is one of those. But if you del- delve deeper, there's hundreds more, um, you know, titles that you can look for that are just security related. Uh, so I definitely just what drew me was um, I def I gotta say like just how cool it looked. I mean, I was trying to come up with a smarter answer for a really long time, <laughs> but it just looked cool. Like I'll be honest. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I had seen shows like Mr. Robot and stuff where they're hacking a bunch, and um, yeah, I mean, that's what I wanted to look into. And after looking into it, you realize that most of the movies are fake, but um, <laughs> but there's still you know some some cool aspects of it and. What really interests me is just how automated it's all becoming. Um, I think I mentioned it in the presentation we did earlier uh, earlier last month, but just the uh, just yeah, like the versatility and and everything that comes with it. Um, there's there's so much that's automated and versatile. Like there's you there's hardly any. Uh, typing on a keyboard a lot anymore really um if you wanted to hack something you can it's it's a lot through a graphical interface uh and it makes things simpler but you know you still want to look into the back end of things you want to i find it interesting like people that can script their own malicious like payloads mm-hmm. that can actually code that it's insane like they essentially just know so many programming languages and um, that was an interest that I had as well was programming. And I wanted to kind of implement the two. Uh, and then kind of after looking into it, I think I'd, I'd, I kind of switched. And I was like, well, I think I just prefer, you know, the hacking side of things. Um, and, you know, using those really versatile tools because they really can't do a lot these days. What do you think for people who are interested in security specifically, what are, you, what are some of the tools that, you know, on the security side you could use in a general IT position, like a help desk all the way up through like network to uh, system admin? Oh, like how security is applicable to an IT like support position? Yeah, any kind of IT role. Like what are some oh. of the skills that you would use that you could plug in like in any kind of IT role? Yeah, so um, protocols you know, HTTP, uh, FTP, SFTP, all that stuff. Um, the, those web protocols and the matching port numbers, um, that's something I had memorized prior. I obviously don't rem- exactly remember them anymore, but uh, I still know, you know, the protocols and their purpose. Mm-hmm. So uh, learning the protocols and like being able to look at things and understand what's going on, um, because if you don't study them, you're just going to see those three letters and think, what does that mean? So, you know, <laughs> it, it get, definitely gives you a better scope, like understanding protocols and whatnot. Um, and that's something, you know, you study thoroughly if you're working in a very security-based uh, role, security-focused role, uh, because, you know, you're looking at not not web trans- transactions, but web traffic and, and, uh, and all that. You know, you're looking at that possibly all day. Um, so those protocols are definitely applicable. Um, another thing is like, uh, 
honestly, just security policies in general. Um, mm -hmm. So like, like security policies, let's say, for example, uh, you know, two-factor authentication, multi-factor authentication, those are all security policies. Um, and then the way you have those forms of authentication, so let's say it's something that you know, a password, um, whereas, you know, if you had a fingerprint, uh, an iris scanner, anything like that, that's something you are. It's two different, it's two different kind of fields of authentication. Um, and studying those things prior, it's definitely cool to finally to come into a company and see how they're applied. Mm -hmm. uh, and even though I'm in a help desk role, it still kind of helped me better understand everything and why they were, those policies were being uh, implemented. What do you think? So if someone's going into IT, the, the, so the cool thing about IT is that IT just has a lot of different, uh, you wear a lot of hats in some places. And mm -hmm. then um, in the world of IT, there are so many different paths. So you have like network people, you have security people, you have programmers, you have technical support, you have system admin, you have your administrative support people, you have CIO, like there's so many different things you can do and, and really kind of mm -hmm. uh, grab hold of. So if somebody wants to take the path that you took, like the security path or cybersecurity, what is what is the end goal? What would the like ultimate position look like? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a pretty good question. Um, truthfully, Mine doesn't, mine doesn't constantly change, but it's, it's different from what I said in the interview for the company I'm working for now. Like it's, uh, like originally I really wanted to do exploit development. Um, that, you know, I, it was just, and I, I don't mean to sound lazy. It was just <laughs> too, it's too much. It's like you already have to keep up with a lot of changes in IT and security, especially exploit development, like constantly learning new techniques and constantly, um, you know, having to programming languages, like they come out with updates all the time. Programming languages mm -hmm. are constantly changing with new libraries. So learning all those new things, um, it like consistently day in, day out, without a break, it was just like, okay, I don't want to really live my life that way. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I'd still, I still really want to do, you know, penetration testing. Um, working in a very security focused role is really what, what the end goal is, whether it be, you know, blue team uh, or defense. So like, you know, reviewing security logs, reviewing web traffic, stuff like that. Um, whether it has to be that first prior to getting to penetration testing, it might have to be, um, but, or it definitely will have to be, but, uh, yeah, once that my end goal really is, uh, just ethical hacking, uh, penetration testing, and there's still a lot you have to keep up with, but I feel like exploit development is that just like that next step up. That's like kind of, kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. I'm kind of, I don't know. I don't know if I'm better off or, or not as well off like than you, because I I'm sort of almost out of the IT kind of umbrella, like with my role, because yeah. what I, I do is uh, geographic information systems or GIS is, is like designing online mapping tools. So I basically build maps and they are um, available on mobile devices, available in your desktop browser, and they really just provide like uh, data in a visualized sort of uh, state where you can observe data about parcels and uh, trends and weather and everything else, um, environmental related stuff, all sort of on a, on a computer screen or a tablet screen or a phone screen. Um, and it, it's still under the IT umbrella for us, but it's almost out of it because it's, it's not, I mean, it's very technical and it does involve a lot of uh, languages and creativity and stuff like that. But, um, you know, going in, uh, interviewing for help desk and ending up with GIS is just an example of how in the IT world, you don't really know where you're going to land, depending on sort of what choices you make. You can go a lot of different ways. Um, and we had this discussion whenever I was doing uh, performance appraisals and stuff last year it was like, you know, I really want to move up. I really want to progress and grow and develop. And my boss was like, well, 
you know, this is the path. This is what's open. You, if you want to pursue GIS, then there's a path for you. And so that's sort of how I ended up in that lane. But IT kind of works that way in, in a sense that um, you may start in one place and have a direction or your arrow might be pointing at something and then you may end up totally in a different space. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like, um, you know, especially like system uh, administrator roles, uh, people that work aren't typically working on like the front end of support with those end users, but are more on the backside of the things, backside of things like um, implementing, you know, any new software, ordering licenses per se, dealing with anything uh, administrative like that, where you're working with that third party company, um, I definitely think is also, you know, a really cool position. Um, just because, you know, you can brainstorm with the other people that are, that are, let's say, also in a position similar, and uh, implement those security policies with them, like you have more of a say as an administrator. So I definitely think that position is also um, definitely very interesting. Do you think you would enjoy doing any kind of uh, supervisor type role where you're in charge of people? Um, I mean, maybe at some point. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, maybe at some point. Not really anytime. Not like obviously not anytime, anytime soon. Um, but I mean, it would be cool to work with a team more close closely i guess like a mm. a really close team that you're um working together on like one in issue or multiple related issues um stuff like that i think is cool but uh in regards to a supervisor no more than like a very small team like not <laughs> a lot of people you don't want to train a bunch of little uh security ethical hackers <laughs> <laughs> no i do not <laughs> What's the next, uh, what's the next big certification goal? Like what's, what's in your like uh, path for development? Um, yeah. So for development, the uh, last certification or certificate that I received uh, was through TryHackMe, which um, for those that don't know, it's just essentially a software that puts you in or a website per se that puts you in a uh, controlled environment. Uh, via virtual machines and allows you to practice with their tools, their libraries, everything like that. So um, I recently got a junior penetration testing um, or junior pen penetration tester uh, certificate from them. Uh, in regards to my next steps, uh, I am studying for the Security Plus uh, and hopes to get that the end of this year. Um, you know, coming back to it from last year, like I touched on, it all seems so much simpler. Like I can't stress how much simp simpler everything is now that I've had the experience. Like I, I don't think I was being, um, I was, I don't think I was jumping the gun per se whenever I went for it that first time, but I can't stress how much it helps me understand things now that I've actually, uh, worked in it for almost a year and have that kind of hands-on experience. I can relate, like almost every everything that it says in the book, I can relate to something that I do at work. Mm -hmm. So I just feel like it's way easier coming back this time now that I have this experience. Um, but yeah, after that- Yeah, for those, go for it, yeah. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. So after that, I just plan to um, probably pursue, you know, uh, pursue my, my kind of a uh, rank in try hack me um, because they like to tell you, you know, what your rank is with all the other users. So kind of hoping to, you know, take that up, maybe get another certificate in the meantime, and then uh, possibly go for a penetration testing uh, certification on uh, in sometime in 2023. Yeah, it sounds daunting. Um, so from <laughs> my own experience for those listening slash watching, CompTIA, which is sort of the host, he's talking about Security Plus. It's it's really a branch of the CompTIA vine. So it's uh, CompTIA has a couple of certs that are extremely well known in the world of information technology. There's the A plus, there's the Network plus, there's the Security plus, um, and then there's like Cloud plus. There's a bunch of different ones, but um, CompTIA is sort of like the industry standard. So like if you're CompTIA certified, it's, it just really boosts your resume quite a bit. It makes you a lot more marketable in the, the workforce and things like that. 
Um, that being said, CompTIA exams are very difficult. So mm-hmm. the first one that I took was Network Plus. I totally jumped over the A plus, which thankfully I didn't have to take that because I didn't want to. Um, with it being two parts, like I don't want to build a computer. Yeah. I don't want to do all of that stuff. Um, yeah. So I jumped over A plus and just went right for the Network Plus. Failed it the first time. Had to take it again because <laughs> um, they're just they're tough. CompTIA. Well, are they all situational questions? And we're of course not going to compromise the integrity of CompTIA by telling you question examples, but they're all situation based. And a lot of IT certs are like that, where if you don't interact with those situations in your day to day work you're going to do poorly on the test. And so that was part of my problem with Network Plus was I assumed that studying was going to give me enough information to just succeed at the test. Whereas I really had to get into some routers and get into some like switches and and mess with controls and stuff to really understand a lot of the topics. Um, And then oddly enough, when I did Security Plus, it felt way easier just because a lot of the Network Plus stuff applies with Security Plus. So it was almost like a partial review um, with just some of the protocols and stuff thrown in. Um, we're going to do an episode one day where we just go over protocols because that would be something people would love to listen to. <laughs> um, I was trying to remember a couple while you were talking. I remember FTP, I think, is 23. I think Secure Shell is 22. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. One of the HTTP is either HTTP or HTTPS. One of them is 43. I'm not sure which one. Um, HTTP is 43, and then HTTPS is 80, I think. I hope I'm right. Something like that. It's either 180 or 80. Yeah, I really hope I'm right. (laughs) But uh, yeah, it's it's all it's all there's no like definition based questions. It's all situational. So Mm. you really have to understand what you're doing if you want to succeed at CompTIA. Whereas the Microsoft stuff, um, and again, not to compromise the integrity of Microsoft, but they're really more definition based. So like if you do a Microsoft cert that's based on security, they're going to ask you a lot of questions about like the definition of this or, you know, how is this applicable? Whereas CompTIA is just going to throw you in and say, if you're a security analyst, what do you do kind of thing? Yeah. Um, So that's my experience. And then GIS uh, with Esri certs, they've been similar. They've been situational. So um, it really does force you to interact with your software quite a bit. Yeah. The uh, the Microsoft certifications, um, I haven't even you know looked much into them. I know, I know they discussed them during the program I was in, um, and yeah, but I never even really looked into them because there's so many there's so many like companies that offer these kind of courses and certifications. Like I. I mean, I obviously don't look into it much, so I can't give you names, but there's like a very long list, you know, mm-hmm. um, of, of websites and companies that, that offer these, uh, this knowledge to you. Yeah. And then there's even stuff like Google, like Google has their own IT related stuff you can do. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, like Apple, Apple has their own, uh, like tech support kind of search that go through some of that security and hardware based stuff. It's really bizarre how many there are, and it's hard to know, you know, which one's the best one to take. Um, But that's why I said, you know, CompTIA is widely recognized as like an industry standard, because even though it's a very generic and vague kind of certification, it really covers a lot. So, you know, if you have Network Plus on your resume, companies are like, oh, well, he knows a little bit about routing and and, um, that kind of thing and IP address and, and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean... Um, networking was definitely the one thing I lacked coming out of, out of that, that six month course is cause I feel like they, they touched on all, you know, these important security policies. They, they put us in environments, they gave us projects, they, they let us even, um, work in some digital forensics at the end. We got to create, uh, use like docker container i'm not sure if you've heard of that but we got mm-hmm. to like configure configure things through azure like configure um load balancers and and stuff like that um in these controlled environments that was that was just crazy mm-hmm. to uh to kind of uh experience for the first time nice i mean there yeah. were a couple of uh things that chris and i discussed our boss's name is chris i won't give away his last name 
couple of things that we discussed regarding training for the CompTIA certs where there's like a $1,500 course and it's an all day with an instructor thing where they put you in an environment and they give you all these different um, tasks to complete. And I do think that they would be really valuable because, you know, you need that experience to succeed on questions and situations. But I also think that given the right environment with your job, a lot of times you can also do that. Like for example, with our company, one of the things that I help with is setting up new office locations. So on, on occasion, I'll assist with that. And one of the steps that we have is to configure the router for the new location. So um, our coworker will send the router to my house. I'll configure it. Then I'll I'll put it in the mail for the new office location. So it really gives me some hands-on um, experience with networking stuff like protocols and IP addressing and, and that kind of thing. Um, and we do have some things in place like uh, web filters and, and antivirus. And really all of us interact with that stuff a little bit. So if we need to work on a computer, we can go in and, and you know, mess with the filter and things like that. Um, so it's cool because in, in a, an environment like we have a smaller company, um, we get to do a lot of different things, which really prepares us to kind of branch out on those different paths. Yeah, I mean... I remember starting out, you know, I was just essentially doing installations, computer setups, like repetitive, repetitive, uh, not necessarily simple tasks. I mean, you can run into an issue, but it's relatively straightforward work. Whereas, you know, now I can handle issues that involve networking, involve troubleshooting, um, whether a a switch is viable, like uh, whether something's gone bad in a switch um, and narrowing down an issue on a much larger scope than just application level, uh, application level issues. So, yeah. So anything else on IT that you want to hit on? I'm, I was ready to transition into gaming. <laughs> that sounds good for me. That sounds okay. good for me. <laughs> awesome. So where did, what's your earliest memory? Like what was your first game? Do you remember? Um, oh gosh, I'm trying to think back. Or maybe first gaming system, at least. Oh yeah, first gaming system. It was one of the Game Boys, I'm not sure which one. <laughs> I remember playing uh, Spyro, the, the, purple, the Purple Dragon. I remember playing that mm -hmm. game. That's probably one of the earliest ones. Um, another important one was like, the Batman series, like okay. growing up. Yeah, like Batman Arkham Asylum and Arkham City are very memorable um, in regards to just what I played as a kid. Hmm. Yeah, my I had a Super Nintendo, had an N64, had a GameCube, really Nintendo family all the way through. And mm -hmm. then yeah. at some point I got a PS2 because I was like, there are thousands of games and it's so cheap and there's so many mm -hmm. options, which yeah. unfortunately I got a PS2 like at the end of life of PS2. It was right when PS3 was sort of coming out, but it really didn't matter because PS2 had so many games that, you know, I had so much to choose from. Um, yeah, I mean, the PlayStation 2... I remember like playing WWE 2006 on the PlayStation 2 and I had the little memory card and yeah, they put the memory <laughs> card in it and everything. Um, I remember the PlayStation 2, but I, I remember my, like my first big console was definitely the PS3. Mm, um, okay. And I was like freaking out when I got that. It's totally nerding. <laughs> See, by the time that, by the time that it was time to get a, like, I forgot what gen console it was, but mm -hmm. I got an, I got a 360. So I, by that point I had transitioned out of the Sony family. Um, so I was in Xbox 360 and then got an Xbox one. And I've just been there ever since. Um, I don't game as much anymore, but like games that I could play like on 3DS or Nintendo DS and just mobile games were just better. I think for me, um, just cause I don't have that much time to be stationary for a long period of time. Um, so I ended up going back to the Nintendo family, but definitely got into Xbox for a while. And I, the only thing that I regret is uh, PS3 had The Last of Us, and I never had The Last of Us, so I feel bad because it was such a great game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that game really is crazy. Did you see what they did with, um, so, you know, they came out with the PS3 edition, actually. They came out with the PS3 edition. Um, they then remastered it for the PS4. Mm, and okay. now on the PS5, 
rather than you know make a port for that remaster a ps5 port for that remaster they released a variation of the game called last of us part one because Mm. there's two parts now so they renamed it and then charged you retail for the ps5 edition so it's kind of like I'm not going to get that. Maybe it's a good sale, but I'm not going to pay 70 bucks for this game I played like a decade ago. Yeah, it's and it's really frustrating, and you might feel the same way. The way that movies and video games are the two like media where everything's a remake. Like everything has been recycled. There's like almost no original stuff anymore. And it it happened with uh, Final Fantasy VII, uh, sort of somewhat recently with PlayStation. And I saw like, Oh, cool. Final Fantasy VII got a remake or, or whatever. And then they obviously ported it into HD as well. So you could play the original version or you could play the remake, which you have to buy. But it's just everything's being recycled and remade. It's like Breath of the Wild, Breath of the Wild Part 2. We're not going to give you a new <laughs> title. We're just going to give you more of the first one. Um, yeah. No, it's yeah. it's kind of strange for me that everything's kind of just swinging back around. I mean... There's certain games that I never experienced the first time. So actually right now I'm playing through Resident Evil 2, the remake. And, you know, I'm not sure when that came out initially, but I think I was definitely too young to play it at the time. (laughs) So now like going back and playing the remake of it, it looks like, you know, great on PS5. So um, I've actually had a pretty good time with that. But of course I haven't consumed it before. So, right. Yeah, Resident Evil, they started sort of remaking and revamping those. And um, I mean, there are the Nintendo, Nintendo does a pretty good job of original stuff. It's just the way the Nintendo works is different because they have all of their franchises. They have all of their characters that are sort of established. So they just put them in new situations and new stories. So like you get your 3D Mario platformer, but it's still Mario rescuing Peach from Bowser. It's just a different world he's in. Yeah. Or like Kirby, he still is a pink guy who absorbs things. He's just in a different world. Whereas I think with like third-party stuff and Sony and Xbox, there aren't that many established characters maybe that kind of keep popping up. Like the only one that really comes to mind is Solid Snake, and he's like kind of retired. I don't know. Maybe they'll see him again, but. Yeah, that's that's actually very true. Now that you, uh, now that you uh, like discuss that, now I'm thinking about it more. That's very true. That Nintendo kind of keeps that. Mario's been around since like God knows how long, and they still got him going around. And PS, PlayStation, Sony, like they have nothing that's on that scale. Like you said, they have Solid Snake. There may be uh, Metal Gear Solid Six. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> I mean, Kratos is. Kratos is kind of there for the God of War series. I mean, that's a that's a PlayStation exclusive, but um, in terms of a game that isn't a continuation of what was previously produced, yeah, <laughs> like that's just PlayStation. Like PlayStation is going to continue the same story, whereas Nintendo is going to take those characters and implement it, put them in Smash Bros, put them in you know Mario Kart, which is entirely different from what Mario initially was. Yeah, and you do have some you do have some repeatability. So like Call of Duty, you know, there are, I guess there are characters in like the single player experience that maybe cross over into multiple games, but it's mm-hmm. different because I don't really care about the characters in Call of Duty. <laughs> I'm just going to like find a cool gun and like shoot things or yeah. shoot zombies or whatever. Or same thing with Halo. I don't really care about Master Chief that much. I mean, I'm just going to put on a suit of armor and shoot things. So it's like with yeah. Nintendo, it's more like narrative focused and story driven and character driven. So they want you to care about Samus. They want you to care about Fox and, and Mario and Peach. So um, they just keep building their stories out. Even if they're recycled stories, they build their stories. Um, yeah. And like you said, I guess there is some merit to remakes because I mean, we've had Skyrim ported like 15 times, but people still <laughs> love Skyrim. So <laughs> Yeah, like there's you can only buy like the anniversary edition now or something. You can't buy the initial base game that come out or base like uh, kind of a title that came out, I guess. Uh, you can't mm. purchase that. You can only buy the anniversary edition. And I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they made a PS5 port for Skyrim. They might may have already have. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at this point because there's so many dip- like it's on everything. Um 
But I mean, Elder Scrolls Six, it's still a good ways away. Mm. Um, so who knows if they'll actually uh, port it over to PS Five or just leave it as is. I wonder. I wonder why Skyrim and not Oblivion. I wonder why that game in particular. I see. I never even consumed any of the other Elder Scrolls. I think like most, like most players, most people just came in at Skyrim. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, I I didn't play the game for long. I never finished it or anything because, to my knowledge, it's a very lengthy game. Um, but I know I never actually uh, went through with it uh, with uh, finishing the title. What if you can you give like a top five favorite games like all time all time list? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, I won't do any specific order, otherwise I'd be here for a second. So <laughs> just top five. Um, definitely God of War's up there. The 2018 launch um, on PS4 that was like insane and like very emo- like it's the first game. That I probably like felt I didn't feel emotion for it, but it made me feel emotional, I guess, because like uh, just because of like the storytelling and and uh, the story that was told in in that game in particular. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the other ones, dude. I play so many video games, and then when I ask what's my favorite, I like I'm just like uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, really memorable is probably. Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. Um, That's very memorable for me. So just Gen 4 Pokemon. Um, Mm -hmm. Zelda Ocarina of Time was very memorable. Went through Mm -hmm. a lot of struggles on the 3DS. Like a lot. Like had to look up so many guides. Um, And then hopping back over to like the PlayStation or just... Oh, Elden Ring. Elden Ring's up there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that one. That one I sunk a lot of hours into earlier this year. Earlier this year. It was probably like an unhealthy amount, but um, (laughs) (laughs) Elden Ring, definitely. Uh, And in terms of the other Souls titles, I've never actually beaten any of them. I've played through them. They're really good, but Mm. I can't say they're my favorite unless I've like I feel I can't say they're my favorite if I've actually beaten it. Like yeah. if I haven't beaten it, I can't say it's my favorite game. Um I remember having a lot of good time with Spider Man, like the PS4 Spider Man, because I remember playing the much worse well not much worse, not much worse, but the different uh variations that came out prior, you know, the different Spider Man titles that came out on the three sixty, PlayStation two, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I definitely felt a lot of nostalgia whenever I played through that game. And um yeah, like had a blast start to finish and just like didn't let up until it was one hundred percent beaten. And see that's what about that's you the though? thing, because I I remember Spider Man on PS two. I might have been Spider Man two on PS two. And I remember mm-hmm. how cool it was to just explore the city and swing around yeah. mindlessly. So, like, if I picked up a modern Spider-Man game, I would just do that. I wouldn't play the story <laughs> mode. I would just swing everywhere. Um, yeah, the the swinging mechanics in that one were outstanding and, like, the way they implemented it in combat. But what about you? Like, what's your top five favorite? Ooh, top five favorite video games for me. So, mine is going to lean heavily on nostalgia because mm-hmm. I'm not a huge gamer, so I'm not extremely good at games, but... There are mm-hmm. games that I just love because they are the game they are. Um, yeah. Not in any order like you, because I feel like my order would vary quite a bit day to day. Um, exactly. And like year to year, as I get older, maybe <laughs> the game would fall in ranking or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so games that I've played and games I've beaten only, because I would have to throw titles in that I haven't beaten if they if they were op- an option. Um, so. Yeah. Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, kind of like you and Platinum, just Gen 4 Pokemon would definitely be in the top five because I've put more hours into those games than any other video game. Yeah. Um, like 300, 400 hours in Pokemon Diamond. Um, I would say the Kingdom Hearts, specifically Kingdom Hearts 358 Days Over 2, which oh, is kind of a hot take. A lot of people don't appreciate that game very much, but for me, I really loved that one. Um, as well as Kingdom Hearts 2, but specifically 358 Days Over 2 um, would be in there. Call of Duty uh, 
the first Modern Warfare, like the OG one, Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, that one was just extremely awesome to experience, especially considering how different it was at its in its time. Um, the first person and the multiplayer experience was exceptional. So that would have to be in there. Um, trying to think Nintendo stuff. I, I would almost wager to say Guitar Hero, just because I put a lot of time in Guitar Hero and I really loved all of them. Uh, mm -hmm. So maybe it would be in the top five, even though that feels like a really bad answer. And then <laughs> probably tie it up with like Twilight Princess. I mean, Ocarina of Time, don't get me wrong, definitely a more yeah. important game. But for yeah. me, Twilight Princess is the better game. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, in terms of Zelda games, I really, unfortunately, haven't played much. Um, it was just Ocarina of Time. I played... I attempted to play Majora's Mask and was like, okay, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> it was hard, man. It was difficult for me. And um, yeah, and then probably just Breath of the Wild. Um, what was that? They they came out with one of the the 3DS remakes. I think it was Link Between Worlds. I played through that one. That one's really good. Mm. I, I, I like that one. I'm not sure if there's overall negative reviews, but I didn't mind that one. Um, yeah, but touch touching on modern warfare, I I didn't play. I played. Was, I was more like Battlefield. I played Battlefield three and Battlefield four a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, shooters. I mean, I've never been a big shooter person. I don't care yeah. that much for FPS. But um, the story and the single player experience of that particular one was just such a groundbreaking achievement, in my opinion, and just mm -hmm. for gaming as a shooter too, like the, the story as a shooter was just remarkable. Um, and yeah, um, I've played through uh, Majora's Mask and I don't intend to play through it ever again. Like just why give me that much stress in a Nintendo <laughs> title? Um, yeah. Twilight Princess, I, I love very much to the core. Ocarina of Time, like I said, very important game. That and mm -hmm. Super Mario 64, very, very important games. Um, Breath of the Wild, definitely a, a worthwhile offering for the Switch. Um, I'm yeah. not as in love with it as a lot of people are. A lot of people put it like top one, two Zelda games. Mm -hmm. um, Skyward Sword was a bit of a letdown, as most people agree. Um, I, see, I haven't even uh, played through it. I saw some of the gameplay uh, for the Switch remake, mm -hmm. but I was like, mm, it did, like I don't know. <laughs> the gameplay just looked a little a little different than what I was used to. It's okay. It's 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 fine. It, they really just wanted because at the time when it came out, there was a feature with the Wii called the Wii Motion Plus, and they really mm -hmm. just wanted to create games that <laughs> use that functionality. So they're like, "What better thing to do than throw Link in a game where you could swing his sword with him?" You know. Yeah. And so it was just kind of thrown together. Um, but there are some really cool, like the cell shaded games, like Wind Waker, are very much loved by the fan base too. Um, but yeah, the the ones you mentioned, like some of the the handhelds, like Link Between Worlds, are also really really popular. Yeah, um, I never, I never really played through Wind Waker. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I sunk a lot of hours into Mario Kart Eight mm -hmm. when it when it came out. Mario Kart Eight Deluxe because I had never bought the Wii U. Um, I had had the Wii, but never got the Wii U. But uh, once I got my hands on Mario Kart Eight, and Zelda because that's essentially what the Nintendo Switch ran when it first came out was Mario mm -hmm. Kart 8 and Zelda and that's it and um, I sunk a lot of hours and got like three stars I like 100%ed essentially everything um, wow. I got three stars like on 200cc yeah yeah Mario Kart's a special game it's like I believe genuinely that the current one like Mario Kart 8 is just going to be here forever like it's never yeah. going away it's never going to be like a well, next Nintendo console, they'll just remake Mario Kart 8 <laughs> and add a couple of maps. Um, and I believe that's what they're doing now because they have a DLC that they're like slowly rolling out with with mm -hmm. uh, with more cups. But yeah, um, yeah. Any any last words? Anything that you feel that you should address or want to address? Um, yeah, I mean, I just want to thank you, of course, for having me on, you know, this isn't like an opportunity I get regularly and to come on a podcast and just talk about essentially whatever I want. 
um, <laughs> is pretty nice, you know, just to have like, con- like continuous conversation from topic to topic. But, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's nothing really more I have to say. I don't have much, uh, social media to plug. <laughs> yeah. I was so, going to say, um, I was going to say thank you for your time. It was a really fun conversation. I'll, we'll figure out what we're doing with the episode later on. I was talking about earlier, maybe splitting it up so mm-hmm. people could kind of see the tier list on their own if they like Pokemon and then listen to your story separately. So I might do something like that. Um, okay. but I do thank you for your time. Conversation was really good. It flowed, had a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, if you have anything to plug, do it now or forever hold your peace. I am all good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Mm-hmm.